Welcome to the inaugural episode of Fortune Favors the Fans. This is a brand new podcast associated with the Fans First Sports Network. We're going to be talking college football betting. We're going to look at all kinds of different bets, games that you may not think about, some fun prop bets, and then we're going to take a look at the big games the week out of the Power Five. Now, this is our introductory episode, so there's going to be a few differences in this intro part of the show. For instance, we're going to talk about Chris and I. Uh, by the way, I should introduce ourselves. My name is Macon. This is Chris. He'll be your host. Um, we're going to keep it pretty simple. You know, we're going to move down the line from introduction into your off the radar games, heading into prop picks and then the big games of the week. Now, this week, like I mentioned, is a little different because we want to discuss one, the week zero bets that him and I kind of did for fun on the side. Um, and then we're going to discuss futures for the, uh, the season coming. Now, we're going to just kind of get right into it. But first, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you all about the Fans First Sports Network contest that's going on. If you're a fan of any NFL team, I think this is the contest for you. It's a great situation. Chance to win up to $5,000 with a value in four free tickets. The rules to enter are extremely simple, and you don't have to pay a dime to do it. Go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information there, guys. It's so easy. It'll be straightforward. It's basically going to ask you to pick your team in a podcast, and you're pretty much good to go. Again, you have a chance to win a four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice. So I, I would, if I was a fan of any NFL team, that sounds like a great deal to me. Now, I'm going to get into how I did in a minute on week zero, but I'm gonna let Chris run with it first. Chris week zero, not a great slate of games, especially when Notre no. Dame is absolutely pants Navy. No. What were you looking at that week? I I mean, first off, that was a hell of an intro. I'm just going to give you props for that. <laughs> great, great job. You went through everything and, and it was great uh, for our first time. I really wanted to stay away from last week. Like I tried my best, but I looked at my, my book and I looked at like money I had left in my account. And I was like, oh, I just can't help it. Like just, especially with football around the corner, I was just like, I couldn't, it, it just, the urge just, just went to me. So I, I didn't do anything too crazy. I did like two, three leg parlays. So I lost this one. Um, so Notre Dame covered minus 20 and a half. Um, and I had the under on UTEP and Jacksonville state. Um, but I took UTEP to cover one and they lost by three. So that was just, I, don't you hate it when one leg of your parlay like ruins your entire one? Yeah, I, and and it's funny you mentioned that because I I was so sure UTEP would cover. Right. I had him. I had him. I had him at minus one, and I thought there's just that just seems it. I you know I don't no don't hate me UTEP faithful the twenty fans that are out there, <laughs> but I, I I really thought you know as as little as I think about that program, surely at they can get. I mean at minus one you're talking basically a straight up win, and I thought yeah. they'd win that game. So that that. Uh, uh, that, that was hurt. That one. And hurt. my, my big issue was like Jacksonville state. They lost, they lose Dion. They lose like all his recruits. So like, I didn't think much of them. And I'm like, UTEP is actually like a, an FBS team. Like they're going to do some damage at maybe, but again, this is week zero. So I didn't, I'm very ignorant to a lot of this and I lost, but, um, I did win San Jose state plus 31. Um, USC does not have a good defense this year. So I had a feeling that San Jose state could score on them. Um, San Diego State minus two and a half, and then uh, I took the under at forty-eight for Ohio versus San Diego State, and I won that one, so it worked out. Yeah, you mentioned USC. I had that one as well. I took it very familiar with Lincoln Riley. Uh, I I cover Texas Tech extensively, so I'm very used to the work he's done with Alex Grinch. Yeah. How that man is still employed at 
any Power 5 program. <laughs> the funniest thing I saw today was some message board post asking if Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley were like best friends since like pre-K or something. It has to be. I mean, it's just a joke. Like he can't. Yeah, it has to be. Um, you, you may not have watched much of Oklahoma when Mike Stoops was the defensive coordinator out there, but th- it, it is reminiscent of how bad those OU defenses were. Yeah. And it's, it, it's just a joke. Um, so like I said, I lost the UTEP game as well. Um, I also lost to New Mexico State. Uh, they didn't cover. Mm. I got, I picked up Hawaii 17 and a half. That game was interesting. It was a wild finish. I took this game because I have no confidence in Vanderbilt at yeah. all. Never will. Um, and if you Vanderbilt's watch, a baseball school, they're not a football school. They never will. Yeah, be. and not only <laughs> yeah. that, the, the, the jumbotrons hanging from the the, the the crane. I mean, it was just. <laughs> Uh, I took Hawaii there for basically those reasons. But the other reason I took Hawaii was I just figured week one, 17 and a half, Vanderbilt's historically not good. Surely they'll stumble a bit out of the gate, whatever happens the rest of the year. And th- this game, if you didn't watch, it was decided actually on an onside kick and um, actually a couple of big breaks. An onside kick was recovered out of bounds by Hawaii late. Vanderbilt would just elect to throw the ball multiple times as the clock was running down. Hawaii got the ball back and threw a back-breaking interception to end it. So it, it was it was about as close as you can imagine. And then I had FIU Law Tech under fifty nine. I I just wanted to bet on Law Tech for my boy Sonny Cumbie out there, but I, I had no feel for the actual outcome of that game. So I figured fifty nine's a lot for Week One. Let me just yeah. throw it up there, and they they didn't even get close. So I, I mm-hmm. felt good. And I mean, I I typically favor towards unders anyway, just because. It, I feel like, especially in college football, they make those so high that it's just so hard to hit them sometimes. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I, I think, especially if you've been living under a rock, you may not have heard, but it, for our listeners out there, but the new rule is the clock is now matching up with so, similar yeah. to how the NFL does it, um, except for the last two minutes of the game and, and then a half. The clock runs after every first down. Games are now substantially shorter. And I forgot one, actually. I had Navy, Notre Dame under 49. That was the lock of the century. Any yes. military academy this early in the year, I think you could smash it under. Um, Absolutely. Vegas, just like us, has no idea what the impact of this rule is going to be. And I think that under was set because all offseason, all we've heard from Navy is, oh, we're going to open it up a bit. They, they didn't. They're not yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think they started to make a run like in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, you know, run is I'm using that word very loosely. I just want that to be said. And uh, like I listened to Dan Patrick's show and they were talking about how they wanted to interview him around then. But they had to cut it because Navy was making it interesting and then they ended up not. So it didn't even matter. But yeah, yeah I, I I think that if I recall how that game closed, I mean, it. Notre Dame could have broken the under themselves and yeah. maybe did just enough to keep that game under because it, it's actually kind of crazy. I watched the first half of that game and Notre Dame did whatever they wanted offensively, but Navy moved the ball fairly well and just completely collapsed about the time they hit the 40. So it, it chewed up a lot of time of possession, which, you know, is a better's best friend with an under. Um, are you in on that Notre Dame quarterback? Uh, hard uh, is it Hardman? Sorry, no, it's a uh, cat out of Wake Forest. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, but are you in on him? I know so many college football fans who are like, he's good, man, he's good. I'm like, this is Navy we're talking about, guys. Come on. I don't think Navy is a fair barometer. Not only did Notre Dame run the ball at will, so like his limit, he it was so easy to, to to run play action. He's extremely experienced. I think he's I think he either is first or second behind like Peyton Manning in total passing yards in a career. Yeah. 
you know, what six or seven year starter. It it you can't he will be good. I don't think he's gonna be fantastic or Wake Forest would have been better than they have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Team. Been a good team, not a great team. And uh, I, I think he's a good quarterback. Not a world-changing quarterback, but look, who knows if that's enough to get Notre Dame out of kind of the doldrums of not irrelevance, but not where they want to be, which is trying to sneak it, you know, without playing in a conference title, it's especially difficult, but trying to sneak, or I guess now with the ACC stuff, but trying to sneak ass backwards into the playoff again, mm-hmm. um, get show that they're, they're still a brand. Um, I guess they are for money at Dublin was completely sold out and Irish green. So yeah, yeah power to them. Yeah. People travel for that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to move into the futures part of the show. This the, We're only going to do this once, I mean, for obvious reason. This is just us teeing off the year. We didn't come up to you week zero. If you're not getting it by the, the games we talked about betting on, it was a terrible slate. So week one, we're going to hit it hard with some futures for you. Chris and I both, we do like to do things in threes here. So we have three futures each. We'll just kind of go back and forth with this one. Chris, I'll let you take the lead off. Who's your first future? What do you got? So these, I did all my futures to make the college football playoff, not to win at all. I feel like there's more value in making the college football playoff. There's more likelihood to like to hit these bets. And again, I did most of mine in value. I didn't do it off of like I didn't pick Georgia because Georgia was like mine. I don't even it. It's not even worth putting money on it to, at that point. Um, so I took Texas. Um, I don't see much competition for Texas in the Big Twelve. I know that they are very. The, the Big 12 is is middle heavy, but there's not a lot of, in my opinion, um, top tier teams to compete with them. I think Kansas State might be the only real one. OU is always interesting, but I mean, they kind of flopped last year. Um, and and mentioning Kansas State, they play them at home this year. Um, their, away, their big away games are Alabama and TCU. I don't know if Texas is going to be Alabama, but I think that there's a possibility they can sneak into the playoff if they have one loss on their record, and that's only Alabama. I, you're from Texas. Maybe you have more insight on this. Yeah, so I here's the thing about Texas and being a Texas Tech fan is, I, you know, it's a big rivalry. I don't like them at all. Yeah, and the history of Texas since Mac Brown departed it is a history of failure. And let's, let's be playing here. Tom Herman had the most successful season winning that Sugar Bowl against Georgia with, let's Let's all face it, a Georgia team that was disappointed to be there and a Texas team that caught him napping at and finished that year. By the way, I believe it was 10 and four was the final that year, the record. Um, so that was the best season since Mac Brown left. And to be honest, it was an overrated season. And in between those years have been missed bowl games, losses to Kansas, just a lot of failure. Texas on paper is the most talented team in the Big 12. Texas on paper is a top four team in the nation. Texas on paper is almost always the number one team in talent in the Big 12, and Texas on paper is always a top 10 team in talent. The wins haven't been there, and I'm not going to buy it until I see it. That isn't to say that I think you're crazy to bet Texas to win the Big 12 or make the college football playoff. They should do both of those things. Let's be clear here. Should. But I, I am when I put my money on many things college football related, I don't touch Texas being back until they do it. I'll start believing it when I see it. And I, I don't like Sarkeesian. I don't think he's all that in a bag of chips. I don't think he's the guy to turn him around. But we'll see. You know, I, I hear the rumors coming out of camp that Quinn Ewers has like he's he's humbled himself a little bit 
and he's put his head down. He's went to work at camp. So I think that also was a big factor where like last year he walked into, you know, Texas camp thinking he was like his shit don't stink. And I think that affected him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Quinn Ewers came in with so much hype and potential that mm-hmm. the injury trouble and the pressure. I, I'm not going to pretend that Texas is not a big deal in college football. There is pressure being that quarterback that is unlike anything else in, in all of college football. That is as close to an NFL quarterback as any as you can get. The culture of Austin, I think, is the problem. What's going on in UT is is and it is deeply ingrained. And that's why here's the thing. I fully don't believe Charlie Strong was a great coach, but I think Tom Herman was. And he mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out either how to get them. He won eight games. He was an eight-win football coach at Texas. He was succeeding to a degree, and they got rid of him because he couldn't get him out of mediocrity. So I, I don't think Sarkeesian's the guy to flip that switch. But let's be clear here. From a betting perspective, I think you're getting pretty good odds there. And I Plus think 300, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you're not going to get much better out of like the favorites group. Yeah. Uh, for myself, my first favorite, and I think this is as close to a lock as you can get. This is Iowa State going under four and a half wins. Um, I didn't pick anybody for the college football playoff. Thankfully, Chris took that aside for me, so I didn't have to. I'm taking Iowa State. The betting scam, let me be clear. Two years ago, Iowa State had one of the better teams, or let me put it even more plainly, probably the best on paper team in their program history. Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler, a lot of great guys on defense, and they won six games with it. They came in with a ton of promise after the 2020 kind of gimmick year, and they won six games with that team. Last year was close, but no cigar in pretty much every game. Very good defensively, a lot of tight battles, no finish. They are now substantially worse last than last year's team. You know, Hunter Deckers is gone with the gambling scandal, several other key players and their starting running backs gone. There's bad juju, and I think the Matt Campbell era is actually starting to run out of gas. I think he's done the best he could at Iowa State, and we're seeing the Big 12s figured out what made him so dangerous was the cloud zone that was new to the conference, and it slowed down the offensive schemes. But everybody's adjusted to how he coaches, and just being disciplined is no longer good enough now that the, the level of competition is rising in the conference. I, I look at the schedule. I, I'll be honest here. You and I is a tricky game. It has been for Iowa State every year they play it. They're not going to win the Cyhawk. I don't. I look at the Big 12 slate. There aren't many games there that I'm like, they're the better team. I think they might be better than West Virginia, who I honestly hmm. could see only winning two to three games this year. But otherwise, they're, they're, the Iowa State, I think you're, you're feeling really good at four and a half. I, that winning five games would be a massive success for Matt Campbell this year with what they've lost. I like that a lot. I, I, I mean, I didn't even think to look. I mean, uh, I was kind of going for, for contenders with all my futures. I didn't even think to look for just straight value throughout the entire season. Yeah, you're getting them at four and a half. If it was four, three and a half, you know, somebody's saying they're not going to win four games, you get nervous. But I think that line at four and a half is just perfect because a five and seven football team just narrowly misses making a bowl. This Iowa Mm -hmm. State team's not going to be that close to me. Um, All right. My next one was, again, all my futures are college football playoff. They're going to make it. I see uh, a decent amount of value here, and that's Oregon at plus 550. Um like I said about USC at the beginning of the show, they don't have a very good defense. So their key, USC is the top contender right now in, in the Pac-12. They're, and I'm also a homer, so of course I'm going to pick a Pac-12 future. Um, so they're, uh, they're, they're kind of the top contender right now because of obviously, you know, they have the returning Heisman uh, winner. Uh, but 
uh, Oregon did really well recruiting on defense, and I think Bo Nix is going to come into this season with a major chip on his shoulder. Um, it's his last season in college. He wants to get his draft stock up there. He knows that this next quarterback class is pretty stacked, um, and I think that I think it's going to do something. So they're they're home against Colorado. They're home against that game in USC, which I think that they can go shot for shot with them on offense. Um, and they're the other big game in the in the conference, Oregon State. They're home for that game. They are away at Washington. They are away at Utah. Utah is Utah. We I feel like I every year as a Pac-12 fan, I overlook Utah, and every year they're winning the Pac-12 or they're in the Pac-12 championship game or going and going to the Rose Bowls, but. I don't know. There's something weird going on with uh, Cameron Rising right now, uh, coming off of that injury. So I'm I don't have a ton of confidence with Utah going in this season, this Pac-12 season. Yeah, I I I am always a believer with the Pac-12 that any any the conference cannibalizes itself worse than any other. Yeah. Um, I think you know when you totally. look at the Pac-12 overall, USC is the team I think most people are highest on, but San Jose State exposed a fundamental problem. They just don't play defense mm-hmm. and. Texas Tech will have Oregon in week two. That's going to be a really big test for the Ducks. Tech is coming in as a borderline. Coaches pull top 25 just outside the top 25 in the AP, and I think deservedly should have been there. It's going to challenge the Ducks. I'm going to learn a lot more about them. Don't sleep. We're going to talk about this here in a minute, but don't don't sleep on Boise State, Washington. Um, I, I, I like Washington to win that game. Don't get me wrong, but that could be a sneaky, difficult game for a team towards the top of you know, maybe Pac-12 expectations most year. So I, I, I think don't sleep on that. Um, but let's get into the next future for me. Um, I, I this uh, this is a homer pick. I'm not going to hide it. I'm, I think you get great value. Let me put, be clear here. I do want to provide a service, but this is a homer pick. I looked at the Big Twelve title. Now Texas is the favorite in this, but picking mm-hmm. Texas is you're you're just not. You're taking a chance at Texas's back, which I don't like to do. And number two, you're not getting great value. So then I look at the next set of competitors. There's great options there. You could go Kansas State. Um, you could assume TCU continues their run, though I think that's – we'll get into that here down the line when we talk about our big games of the week. But I, I don't love that pit. I love TCU this year. So I look at it. You're getting Texas Tech to win the conference at plus 1,100. It. I'm not saying it's going to happen for sure. I'm not putting a lock on it, and I will admit this is who I cover. This is that's my alma mater. But let's be clear here: there are five teams, six teams in the Big Twelve that could win it all reasonably. Texas Tech is one of them, and the schedule's not favorable per se. But if you escape Week Two having beaten Oregon at home, you are a top ten football team in the nation, and I don't necessarily believe anybody but Texas will be better than you. Now, will it happen? We're going to learn a lot about this team week two. That's that's all I'm going to say. But I think for plus 1,100, that's good money. That's a safe bet to make without risking risking your house and future. And I, I like that pick just because I think that every year the Big 12 is a wild conference. Now that OU's been dethroned, it's no longer who's playing for second because I don't think Oklahoma's going to get back to where they were this year. So the dark horse is the time to rise. You know, for years it's been, who's going to get to the point championship game to lose to Oklahoma. Now Brett Venables is, I'm not going to say he's crashed the program in the ground because Lincoln Riley killed it by running off how he did, but it's not looking good for them. So now the door's open and it's going to be a crazy ride. So I picked somebody a little bit lower on your favorites list there. The, Big 12 conference is a lot of teams this year. I didn't know that the new four teams were coming in this season. Uh, how, does that change your opinion on on anything? 
No, Tech sees most of them this year. They see, I believe, Cincinnati, yeah. UCF, and no, excuse me. They see um, UCF, BYU, and Houston. Houston, who mm. Tech is very familiar with, played several times. As for the rest of the conference, it varies who got who. I think OU ended up playing all the newcomers. Texas, I know, has U of H. It's all over the board. Yeah. Uh, got who. No, I don't think anybody but Oklahoma plays all four. I'd have to double check that. I haven't memorized that schedule. They're not going to be good. Um, UCF is the best of that bunch, I think, positionally coming in. Cincinnati lost Luke Fickle, lost a lot of talent. Yeah, uh, they're they're used to the competition level. I think they'll get back into it. U of H is several years behind the eight ball in recruiting. I live in Houston. It, it's just not a good place to go play football. It's, there's not a lot of local support. They have to be very very good to get it. There's no history. The stadium's not in a great neck of the woods for people to get to. It's not very big. It there are they have a lot of systemic problems that have to be addressed to get back. And to that work. freaking humidity. Yeah, it's hot. It's humid. Um, their fan base has dwindled since the Southwest Conference days dramatically. Hmm. And to get that back, and then you've got Cincinnati. Like I said, Cincinnati. I think will be there. BYU. I think is the most used to this. Yeah, I the team I'm looking forward to seeing down the line, but they're not good this particular season. And UCF, I think, is in the best position to win, and I don't think they're going to win a ton of games either. It, the, the step up of competition, doing this every week is real, and that that is true. And the only team really used to that is BYU, who has been beaten up on the Pac-12 for several years as an independent. But mm. none of them have ever played a full slate against the Power Five, and depth becomes a serious factor. U of H has none. You know, Donovan Smith is the starting quarterback out there. Texas Tech fans are very intimate with what he can and can't do. And what he can't do is throw the ball very well. Great kid. Love him to death. Real gamer. Will get you in position, but he ain't going to blow you away. He's not going to be the guy they need him to be to really... They, I do not think he is as good as the guy he replaced. Mm-hmm. And they're off the line's not good. Cincinnati, you know, like I said, Fickle's gone. BYU, the talent's just not there. UCF, maybe the most complete team, led by a coach very used to this, and Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. But I just... We'll see. I don't see them competing for it yet, but like I said, the conference is insane. We could see somebody make a run. I'm not I'm not counting on it all. I'm not okay. waiting out it. Other than West Virginia who I want to make clear here is as dead as a doorknob. I think anybody could make a run out of this conference, but if Neil Brown is not fired at the end of this season, I didn't find, I looked for reference to find a hot seat. I couldn't find one for Neil Brown, Mm -hmm. but I'd slam that bet. I, I do not imagine the climb continues. So if you want an extra little one, if you could find it somewhere, he's who I've got leaving the big 12 next. Interesting. Uh, But who you, what you've got one more. Who's your last, future for the college football playoff who's this making? is this is my most for sure as close to a for sure bet as i feel confident recommending and that's michigan plus 100 to make the college football playoff so they have they play nobody in their non-conference games they have ohio state at home this year they're only real non the only real I guess you could say well, actually Penn State's a pretty difficult away game. Um, we'll see. I think we're going to find out this weekend if Penn State's legit or not. If they, which we're going to probably talk about later, which we are talking about later, and we're going to see if they they cover their spread. Um, if they don't, I would be worried that Penn State is a little bit hyped than normal. But then the other one's Michigan State, so it's just like I think they're going to walk straight into the college football playoff. And at plus one hundred, you could put a lot of money on it and get a pretty good payout. Um, so that's mine. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's a pretty a pretty great one, and you know we're gonna see um, a lot about. See, the Big Ten to me is always kind of interesting, and and when you start talking about who 
Who are your favorites that aren't getting a lot of love? I think that's a fair one to make. You're going to get good value in the pick. And to be honest, you know, they're, they're in that conversation. I think, I think Georgia is sucking up so much of the oxygen right now. It's really hard to even think about out of the teams that are legitimately serious contenders. Who's that next group, you know, who's five through seven that are serious contenders that just can't get any love. Cause you know, your Georgias of the world are sucking up oxygen, Alabama, USC. They're just, they're, there's just no room for anybody else to get into the discussion, but we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about, um, the big boys down the line because there'll be a lot of these feature game of the weeks, but let's start talking pac 12 again. You know, I'm, I'm working with a gentleman out of California. I had to give a pac 12 future. I like and it. This, My hat's off to you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like this pick only because I think it would be pretty funny to watch it happen. I'm taking Oregon state to win the back 12. Not only are you getting good value on the pick, plus 1,100 again, not only is Oregon State coming off a good season, there's a lot of momentum in that program for the first time in a while, but I really love the storyline of Washington State or Oregon State making a run right as the conference is about to be blown to smithereens, mm -hmm. and I think Oregon State's better positioned to do it. I, I Washington State, I know much about them, but they're not getting a lot of hype. Oregon State, there's some real, it's going to be sold out games, rowdy fans, a lot of anger, a lot of hate feeling that team. I'm not saying that they're going to do it. The Pac 12 is, looks to be top to bottom the best it's been in years, but they're a team that I think they're one of the reasons why is they look so good on paper to me. But I, I'm not, are they going to get past USC, Washington, Oregon, any of those get the perennial guys that we think about? Probably not, but I think if you're not wanting to bet favorite favorites, they're a solid one to bet, and one that I think is not just out of the woodwork impossible. They're going to be, and you said it, that their fans are going to be invigorated this season because of what's going on with the Pac-12 and how they're going to be probably one of the two or hopefully four last men standing. And I have cousins who are Oregon State fans, and they are diehard. They they don't get a lot of love in, in the media, but they are intense, and they will be there, and it will be a tough place to go into and try and beat them there. Yeah, I, I, I know from what I've heard from – talking to folks, you know, I, I haven't had a ton of contact with their fans, but with the big 12 discussion, the realignment stuff, I've had been in contact more than ever with them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some of what's been out there. The college football's reached a new pinnacle of hate. I think the game as <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest here as a country, we've been getting meaner and I think college football fans are getting meaner and they have a legitimate gre grievance with the state of the world. So I think that they're going to be coming out swinging. Um, now, we're going to move into a section of the show. These are off-the-radar games is how we're thinking of this. These are the games that true degenerates look at and are like, I want to bet on that. Or more casual fans who want to throw in a game in between commercials are thinking, I would like more of a rooting interest. These are picks that you're not dropping you know, big money on. You're not feeling confident about. But, you know, it's fun. These are the fun picks. These are the games that you just want something to watch. So we're going to start it off. I'm going to let Chris go first here. Now, full disclosure on these picks. We're going to get pretty minimal analysis onto these games. You're going to get the most analysis on the games of the week. So don't expect to learn everything you can about these under-the-radar games. But it's it's something to look for, a little bit more knowledge if you're like, hey, here's C game of the day at 11 a.m. Who do I want to have in this? Who do I want to root for? This can be your guide to that. So, Chris, who you got first on your bets? So I got... Uh... West Coast bias. I have Nevada versus USC. Um, right now, the line is at 38 and a half. For the same reason, I bet 
San Jose State to cover last week. I would bet Nevada to cover this week. Nevada is a very good program. They have been competitive in the Mountain West for the past four or five seasons pretty much and even before that i think they had two dead seasons and before that they were they were good for a long time um i i personally like nevada better than san jose state so i think that they can cover the spread no problem so that's my i don't know and you get to watch usc you get to watch the, the heisman trophy winner last year who doesn't want to watch that game yeah, and I think I think that's the thing about I I looked at that bet hard, and yeah. I I'm glad I didn't end up selecting it because we don't want we're trying to give you guys six good off the radar games. So I'm glad we didn't double up. I like that game. Nevada's a good program. USC just demonstrated a lot of liability defensively. It's going to make them a tricky team to bet against the spread on, mm-hmm. or excuse me, bet to cover the spread on. And at the end of the day, if you are somebody who wants to watch the best college football quarterback, I may not love that Caleb Williams ran off to USC with Lincoln Riley just personally, but there's no doubt right now the, the talent level with him is higher than anybody else I've seen. So it is a fun thing to watch. And Lincoln Riley is a hell of an offensive coordinator. So they play a fun offensive brand of football and they're vulnerable defensively. So I think that's a win-win for your casual fan or your degenerate gambler looking for uh, a little bit extra on the side. Yeah, Uh, totally. Personally, my first one, and I don't, this is the one I I feel the least good about. I'll I'll put this out here now okay? because this is in my backyard. I know a lot of, of, uh, of folks who may disagree just, being in Houston, I, I happen to know the few U of H fans that exist. They're getting a point against UTSA. Now, this game was extremely intense previously. This game ended in overtime on Clayton Toon literally flipping his way into the end zone. Uh, uh, if you haven't watched that play, you should. It is a great her- heroic moment for him. It was a very good player. Um, unfortunately, U of H was just terrible the entire time he was there. Um, I'm familiar with U of H. Texan playing him quite often. I don't think they're going to be good. I mentioned this at the top of the show. think they're pretty bad. But I, I don't think that they're going to get stumble here. I don't think this is going to be the game that trips them up to start the year. It could. UTSA is a tough program, well coached by Jeff Trailer, um, has given them trouble. There's more talent coming in there. They're heading up to the AAC. But I think U of H is at least going to use some of the momentum gained from moving to the Big 12 to get this done. I think they clear this game. And at a point, at a point, getting a point, all they got to do is win by a field goal. Win any win is is good enough uh, for a push or or uh, you're cashing out. So I like this game, but I don't. I I'm not gonna confidence meter twenty five percent, and that's just because my best friend is a U of H guy, and he, I told him I was gonna make this prop bet, and his response was that's bold of you with all the sarcasm he could muster, and and <laughs> he he will not personally bet on U of H. So I I think that that's my riskiest of the three I made. Isn't UTSA getting some votes to get in the top 25 this year? Yeah, it's a good team. I think U of H has just enough talent that is gearing up for a higher level of football. But it wouldn't Mm. shock me for UTSA to win this game. But getting a point, I like the Cougars to to find some momentum to get them over that line. But it's going to be tough. It'll be a – if all the ones I'm getting, it's my least confident. I think it'll be one of the more entertaining games to watch. That's an easy game to watch, too. I mean, it's – it, well, nighttime for you guys. It's but it's four p.m. FS one. Uh, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. All right. Um, my second one is um Tulane versus South Alabama. Uh, I don't feel confident about this one either. Um, like you, like you and your last one. Uh, I think Tulane can cover six and a half, but I again didn't feel very confident about that. Um, Tulane's in the top twenty-five this year, and South Alabama is sneaky good. Um, 
mid-major, I don't know how else you could say it, uh, football team. And I don't know. It, it just kind of felt like a hipster pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know? I feel yeah. you. I feel yeah. you on that front. You want to be a little different. <laughs> yeah, because like my, my last one is another Power 5 team, isn't it? And I was like, I wanted to go like a little bit off the radar and try and like really test myself with like with these these off the radar, you know, uh, uh, game picks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I this next pick is in totally the opposite direction. This is what I am most familiar with. I have Texas Tech. They're giving 14 on the road to Wyoming. Now, I know mm -hmm. why the spread is 14. Number one, Wyoming is the highest elevation football stadium in the nation. It yeah. will be a sold out or near sellout game. It's week one. It's a trap game of Oregon the next week. And while Texas Tech is extremely hyped up, there is a lot of justified reluctance to buy in considering the last 15 years of product. But this Texas Tech team is both very, very good and also very good at stopping the thing Wyoming wants to do, which is run the ball. Uh, if, if you're in Big 12 country, these names are not going to shock you. J uh, Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford. This is not a homer thing to say. They probably are the best two interior defensive linemen in the conference. And as a duo, they are the best. That's a shocking thing to say about a Texas Tech defense, but it is true. Lost Tyree Wilson off the edge, replaced him with a guy named Steve Linton, who the staff is and a lot of pro scouts are starting to notice are extremely excited about coming out of Syracuse, coming off the edge. Linebacker group's a bit of a question mark, but the safeties and corners are both long, big, and like to come down and stop the run. This is going to be a tough defense to run against. I have questions about guys covering out of the backfield. I have questions about how the linebackers will hold up against the more complicated offensive attacks they're going to see with a lot of movement and a lot of, a lot of noise, but against a not a straightforward offense per se, but against an offense that really wants to attack on the ground, Tech is just suited to dominate this game. You know, if you're going to run at this defense, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, and I, I don't imagine they slip up this game. Plus, at 14, let, let's be clear, Wyoming's a good team, but they're a middle-tier Mountain West Conference team. And they're playing a Big 12 team that is Could not agree more. finish in the upper half. So... I, I think at, if this spread was 21, I wouldn't touch it. But at 14, I think this is a, a really safe pick to make. I thought about that one. That's, I was shocked on that line because I was like, Wyoming. I mean, yeah, Mountain West. But, I mean, I, don't, I haven't heard much out of their camp going into the season. And I love how Texas Tech is getting sprinkled more and more into this podcast. But don't worry. I've got a homer, another homer pick, too. I've got, I, uh, we're going back to the West Coast. UCLA versus Coastal Carolina. I just, uh, I don't know what's going on. Look, UCLA lost their quarterback. I really liked Dorian Thompson Robinson last year. I was a big fan of his. I'm, I, I just think there are better teams in the Pac-12 than UCLA. Coastal Carolina has been good for the past few years in college football. Um, but these are just two teams that I just have big question marks. So I took Coastal Carolina to cover 14 and a half. I don't know if I'm confident about it, but um, it's more my questions with UCLA than it is um, how I like confidence to the Coastal Carolina. Does that make sense? I feel like I rambled there, but yeah. Yeah, and I think I actually looked at this game too. To, yeah. I, I have a lot of concerns about UCLA. Um, if you, for the record, since I picked Oregon State, the team right under Oregon State in your Pac-12 futures is UCLA. Yeah. And I think I think that are they going to be better than we expect? Maybe. But they're 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 up against. If you're looking at this, it's just if you're somebody who just loves against the spread games, that's a mighty big spread to cover in week one for a team yeah. that we don't really 
nobody can feel nobody looking at UCLA is like, ah, I know what I'm going to get. I know what I'm going to get here. I, I, I just don't see it. It's a risk. And 30. I mean, what was what was the spread on this? 36. Uh, depending when you got it, if you got it earlier or later, any bet in favor of UCLA or Eastern Carolina on this game, it just feels like you're taking a little bit of a risk, but it's a fun mm-hmm. one. I think this could be a, a – you guys remember East Carolina um, NC State last year. Yeah. Great game to watch, and I think you could see something similar happening here with a, a, a beyond entertaining football game. Do I think UCLA will win heads up? Yeah. But could it could it get wild? I think so, it could. But these mid majors come into these games because because of that. That's like okay, that yeah. we have to make a name for ourselves, and if we can take down a power five, like we're gonna get some credit going into the rest of the season. Yeah. And I could see Coastal Carolina coming in and just like really showing up for this game. And yeah, yeah, yeah so. I think I think it's tricky to say that I I don't believe it's fair to say that power five teams are don't get up for these games because good coaching staffs get you up. But I think it is always, but these like mid tier ones yeah. are a little bit harder to gauge. It, it is always, always true that these games where there's somebody with a little bit of momentum coming out yeah. of the lower tier group and you've got a power five team. It's, it's just human nature. You cannot convince these guys to take it as seriously as they will say USC or uh, mm-hmm. hell, even Washington state or anybody out of the pack. It's just, it's just human nature. The best staffs overcome that. The best staffs get their guys ready to go. But even a look, it's one of the reasons that Texas Tech Wyoming pick is what it is. It's hard to not think that you should just win this game and kind of take your foot off the gas. And that's why when we're talking these off the radars early, my next one is a similar story. Um, the, 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 the way to think when you're looking at these week one, two and three games, when you're looking, who should I take out of these Mountain West Conference USA games? Look for teams with real momentum and an opponent who has something to play for this year. Those are the ones that immediately, if you're talking spread games, they're, they're, they're the ones I like to target because you've got, like, for instance, you know, uh, uh, I keep coming back to it, but Tech Wyoming. Tech has some, is playing with a ton of expectation and is a massive game in week two. It's fair to say that, okay, they may not get up for this game. Or, or uh, uh, USC, for instance, just got, not embarrassed, but, little bit of a letdown after san jose state Mm -hmm. they get nevada next maybe low energy they've got a lot to play for another one that you just love to say like are they really going to just step in this and just swing a baseball bat and blow somebody out i I, that those are the ones you like to look at um my last one is another one of these where i think it's just it's not a question of who's going to win the game it's a question of how fun the game is i've got boise state 14 and a half against washington i think this is a deceptively difficult game for washington this has nothing to do again with the fact that i think washington will win this game but this could be a crazy game and boise state is famous for crazy games and mm-hmm. they've had the last couple of years haven't really been themselves struggled a bit more been a little bit more vulnerable as the mountain west has gotten better but they've got a lot to prove with this game. And here's the, the conference realignment wheels. You think that stuff isn't being heard in Mount West territory talking about, are you going to merge with the pack? Is it going to go the other way? Are you going to get poached by the AAC? You know, what's, what's going to happen there. They're hearing it and they want to position themselves the best they can. Boise state has way more to play for nothing, literally nothing to lose. And it's a good football team. I, I like that. I like that game to get, I like that game to be of the three that I picked here. I'm most confident that tech covers, but the one that I think will be the most fun to watch is, is, uh, is this game. I think this one will push Washington to the brink. 
as a Cal fan, so hoping that they stay in the Pac-12 and a Pac-12 Pyrrhus, I want the Pac-12 to merge or take the best teams out of the Mountain West or take the best teams out of the American on the West side and 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 rebuild the conference and, and bring it back to whatever glory it can. So I am rooting hard for Boise State in this game just for that reason, just to kind of be like, we can maybe make this work for the future type of thing. Yeah, I mean this. This is I talked about it with my pick of Oregon State. I'm I'm buying that storyline. I really want to yeah. see it. I'm I don't think we're gonna get it. I think that the Pac-12 is gonna be what we all. I mean, it won't be exactly what we expect, but I think there are clear divisions. But I I am rooting. I blame Texas and Oklahoma for a lot of this. I blame Texas especially. But you know, you the fact that you know we've got USC scampering off to better waters than Washington, Oregon at the last minute blows it up, and UCLA running away. I I'm rooting against them. I never liked. Yeah. Most of the Pac-12 schools, I'd never really liked USC, never really liked Oregon. I, I now have legitimate reason not to like them, and I'm going <laughs> to live up on that. Um, and I'm going to be pulling hard for my boys, the Beavers and, and Washington State and Cal. I can't really root for Stanford just because like that. I think they're part of the problem. Good, we have that in common. I can't root for Stanford either. I hate that. But them. <laughs> I, I can, I'm, I'm rooting for the other guys to try to find a way out of this. Um, yeah. Now, this next segment of the show is a little different than it would be for the NFL. So college football is still behind the eight ball on prop bets. There, there are not that many offered. You can get them now pretty extensively at DraftKings, but not every game has the same futures. But we're going to give you the best selection we could think of. And to throw in a little bit extra, this will include over-unders, which are not traditionally thought of as prop bets, but they're not uh, straight up or down. So I'm going to lead us off here to give you an idea of what we're talking about. And I... I I think I mentioned this at the start of the show, but I saw a military academy week one after a rule change to speed up the game and saw the over-under and immediately hammered the under. We've got Army versus UL Monroe, 46 and a half. I, if 40 points are scored in this game, I'd be pretty stunned. I think this is going to be... I don't know anything about either of these two teams other than Army's pretty good, UL's pretty bad, and that Army is going to slow this game down to an absolute crawl. And with the new rules, I mean, we just saw it. Notre Dame scored basically at will and still couldn't get over 49. Mm -hmm. I, I I think this is uh, any service academy at this point in the year, it feels like a lock to say that it's going to be an under. I didn't even eye that game. So, I mean, that seems like a really high over under for a service academy team. I'm shocked. Yeah, I I was a bit surprised, especially after what happened with Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Navy. Yeah, you know that the, the, to say like we just saw the impact of of how these academies, how the ball control looks, mm -hmm. and since in this game I expect Army to dominate time of possession. Um, I think they're a ten point favorite straight up, so I expect Army to control this game start to finish. They're going to win this like thirty five to maybe five, maybe three. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be a pretty one sided blowout to me, but. Even in the like the absolute worst case scenario, which is Army really just runs away with it, they are not equipped to score forty plus points. Yeah, and I, I think that you're most likely going to see a blowout, but one that's reasonable. Thirty five twenty eight um, points scored for Army and ULM a lot less, just not going to touch the ball that much. Um, Chris, what do you got? What's your first one? Um, I I don't do props. I only do props for for Super Bowl. So and and I tried to look for some, and there wasn't a whole lot available, like you said, for college football. That typically is in. Um, so Virginia versus Tennessee. Um, the over under is at five, 55 and a half. Um, I think that's a very one sided game, and I think that's a pretty high over under for a one sided game. Um, so I took the under on that one. 
Yeah, and I mean, you're talking, it's early in the year, offense is still working out kinks. How yeah. how, how much are you going to run up the score in any of these? Yeah, uh, I, I I mean, I think Virginia maybe can get a touchdown. Um, and I think Tennessee's going to run it up to 30-plus points, and then they're just going to coast. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, yeah. I like I said, if you're look, wondering where these props are coming from, I, the best list I could find is DraftKings. And again, they're still, unlike the NFL where you'd have yardage totals for every game and all this stuff, there's still limits on this. It's growing in college football, perhaps alarmingly to some of you, but for us who like to gamble on bets that are a little sillier, it's a lot more fun to see it start to spread in. This is a true prop bet. And I, I picked Texas Tech in this one a lot because I've been doing extensive prep work on Texas Tech. But the big reason, it's week one. We just don't know that much about everybody yet. So looking at the Texas Tech-Wyoming game, total touchdown score to six. That seems pretty stupidly low for an offense that is alone should be expecting to score six touchdowns. Are we really expecting this to be a shutout? This is a top three offense in the Big 12 with a returning quarterback who has lost very, very little, a better offensive line, a really good receiving group, and a feature back in Taj Brooks. I, th- this game will be one-sided, but are we really thinking that it's going to be not a lot of points scored by the Red Raiders and the, the and Wyoming's not going to score at all? So I, I thought going over six total team touchdowns for both teams uh, felt pretty safe. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I, you think it's going to go a lot over? I, I mean, I feel confident in saying you're going to see seven touchdowns. Like if I was okay. to say like, you know, I'm not going to get crazy, but like, oh, they're going to score 50 by themselves or whatever. But Wyoming's going to score seven points minimum. They're mm-hmm. going to score. This will not be a shutout. Texas Tech should expect to score between 40 and 50 points in this game. Yeah. Is that that is what they're going to do all year against better defenses to me. You know, they're going to play this. This offense is looking to take a huge step forward. Give me seven TDs and I feel good about it. If we come back and they didn't break 42 by themselves, I will be a little bit concerned. So mm-hmm. for my own hype in Texas Tech, I have to believe they're going to they're going to they're going to break this one single handedly with a little bit of help from the Cowboys of Wyoming. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, so my second one is Oregon state at, um, uh, versus San Jose state. Uh, the over under is 54 and a half. Uh, I would have liked to see what the over under was last week. If it was even up. Um, I bet it was lower. Um, I think that the mirage that San Jose state put, um, points up on USC, uh, might've pushed this line a little bit and some people maybe started betting this, but I definitely would have taken the under Oregon state has a much better defense than USC does. I don't think San Jose state's going to be putting up points like they did last week. So, and you're also talking about San Jose state coming off the USC game. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of energy expended to do that. And you got to yep. do it again. You're really going to get oh, yeah. up for it again. And against a team that, you know, Having one loss, you're kind of playing with nothing to lose. Losing twice, you start to get a little nervous. I think they're going to play a little tighter, a little bit tired, and mm-hmm. I, I don't see them breaking that. Yeah. Uh, my last prop bet, we're, uh, I, I I just think this one is funny. Miami of Ohio, total team touchdowns over one and a half against Miami. I think it's a good bet. I, I think the idea that Miami's going to just blank Miami of Ohio is a fair one to make. But I two TDs in a week one game, which you're probably not going to – really beat up on them. But the real reason I think this is funny is that quote out of Miami of Ohio over the week, we're going to show them who the real Miami is just the damnedest thing on earth. And I really want them to come out fired up, score two quick TDs in the first quarter, and then just get absolutely mowed down. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, it, 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 I don't expect this to be close, but I think they're going to show up early and then just like a lot of these teams do just get the doors blown off of them as we settle into the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like it. So my last one is um so since you've been doing uh picks for your team all 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 podcasts, I'm gonna do mine. Cal versus North Texas. Um Cal is a defensive team. They always have been since Justin Wilcox took over that program. They do have a probably the best prospect that they've had in a while at quarterback, but um as a true freshman, I forgot his name. But um, he's a true freshman quarterback. Don't really know exactly what we're going to get from him. Um, they're not going to put up a lot of points. I don't know a lot about North Texas because it's North Texas. So I'm just going to assume that they're not going to put up a lot of points, especially against a pretty good defense with Cal. Um, so under 54, um, I feel like that's a pretty, pretty solid bet. Yeah, I like it too. And if if I like that we're even though I took a couple of props, but I like we're given over unders too. I think that's part of the show that we may consider in the future yeah. doing a bit more with anyways. So I like that this section could be a chance for us to catch up on that because I know people who love those bets. Yeah. Now we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back, we're gonna talk about the big games of the week. This is our longest show, by the way. We're not normally gonna be an hour plus, but we have the most to talk about to get ready for the year. We're the most excited for this first week and this first episode. But when we get back, we're gonna talk about the power five games of the week it's one from each conference i will say this week because it's not a conference most of these games involve multiple power five conference members from different conferences playing each other normally it'll be a lot more straightforward you're gonna have an acc pac 12 big 10 big 12 and uh uh and you're just gonna we're, we're gonna do a little contest it's gonna be against the spread and we're gonna see who ends up at the best but that'll be right after our break back and we're going to talk first with I think what is actually the game of the week and that is Florida State LSU. Chris I'm going to let you run with this one a bit. First and foremost it, it I don't think it's any illusion that this is the biggest game of the, of the week yeah. but what is kind of surprising is um, you're talking about LSU they're the third favorite to win the SEC you buying the hype how are you feeling about this one? I just, I just in general, I find it really hard when, when, when SEC, when these non-conference games are happening, I find it really hard to bet against the top SEC teams. I, I did it last year and I bet Oregon to cover the spread. I forgot what it was and they got their asses fucking handed to them by Georgia. And I, and I looked at like the, you know, my past and how, you know, how I've typically done against that. And I've always been screwed over. So that being said, all the rumors of Florida State wanting to go into the SEC, I feel like they are going to show up for this game because they have to prove that they belong in the SEC and they want to move out of the ACC and go there. So, like, this one was a really tough one for me to pick. Did you find the same issue or did, were you pretty so, – are you pretty confident with your pick? The line's two and a half. You're looking at a line that's two and a half. Always yeah. a pick for these big games. Money line, Florida is – or, excuse me, LSU is the favorite, minus 142. This is actually a game I like to do money line when I think about it, just because I think two and a half is a small enough spread that, mm-hmm. you know, and that you're going to get a little bit of value going either way. I'm not confident in this pick because I don't, these are not two teams I feel good about being as good as we think they will be. Even LSU I, with the recruiting class that they had last year. I think, I think where this breaks down to me is I think Brian Kelly is a better football coach in this game. I think LSU is a safer commodity 
Florida State has the most to prove. Let's be clear here. The LSU has a lot to prove too. This is a huge game for both these programs. But Florida State is not who they've been in the past. And they they want to announce themselves, hey, we're back to being what we were, um, you know, with the, the Winston era and, that, and and we're back to being the big dog in the ACC. It's not Clemson anymore. It's us. It's, it's definitely not Miami. For the love of God, it's not Miami. They really want to announce that the college football. But if I when I look at games like this, I look to safety. And I think LSU is better coached. I think LSU is the better team. I think the it, with a line like this, you lean on that. I've got LSU in this one. Like I said, I like it money line, but we're picking this against the spread. So I took LSU giving two and a half. I did the same thing for the exact same reasons as you said. Like it, it just came down to like logical, the logic versus emotion. And emotion is telling me Florida State because of everything that's going on with their program. And that doesn't seem like a good reason to do it. I did it last year with Oregon and Georgia. I picked emotionally because I was like Pac-12, screw the SEC, and it screwed me. So I just can't do it. I just, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, I, I think it, it's, you know, I picked Texas Tech a lot this week. I won't do that much in the future because, like, I actually really don't like betting on Tech. It is very upsetting to me to lose <laughs> of those bets for any number of reasons. This week I get yeah. who I'm most familiar with. But I, I really struggled with that one probably more than any of these others just because I really – I'd, one, I'd like to see the SEC lose this game. I'd like to see LSU go down. I don't like Brian Kelly personally. Uh, you know, I, that there, there's a lot of stuff in his past that I, I'm not wild about, including the fact he killed a guy. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, we're trying to make you money here. And it, it feels like the safest bet is for those of you out there who are real gamblers, it feels like LSU's just safer. Um, it's going to be a tough one, guys. It, that's 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 a game. I almost tell people it's a big game. You kind of have to bet on it, but you you kind of don't want to put your put anything up for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch it, enjoy it. I wouldn't bet on it personally, but if you're going to, I think Chris and I are in lockstep here. LSU just seems safer. Our next game because you're going to watch it either oh, way, so you might as well yeah. put money on it, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean everybody's watching this game. You know, week one has some good yeah. games, but everyone's watching this one. We're going to get to another one down the line that that I think everybody also will agree is the second game. This next one here. If you asked a college football fan a few years ago about this game, they never would have believed you that both of these teams have hype around them. We're talking North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, uh, I think this is a tough one to pick as well. I think that this is probably a, a, a game that nobody feels great about picking. For the record, um, North Carolina here is the favorite at two and a half, according to DraftKings. They're 135 money line. Another game, if I was betting it, I'd take it money line just because I think you get good value either way. Two programs with a lot. We're talking a lot to prove. South Carolina probably has the most to prove of anybody. I mean, all the talk about Spencer Rattler all offseason and how they're doing things differently and they're back and they're going to be, they're going to finally start competing again in the SEC and blah, blah, blah. And where were you standing when you looked at this one? Uh, I'm glad you brought up Spencer Rattler because this kid has probably the biggest chip on his shoulder of any college football player that I can think of in my lifetime. I mean, the guy was the star of QB one on Netflix. He was the most hyped college football player quarterback in a long time, a couple years ago in his first year at, at Oklahoma. And then he plays, I mean, like Kirk Herbstreit picked him to be like a Heisman candidate that year. And then he, you know, just kind of blows it the first, the first half of that season and he gets benched and he goes to South Carolina. You kind of forget about him. And then last year they go on this run at the end of the season and you're like, wow, like maybe this kid can be a version 
of of that of that player. But at the end of the day, North Carolina has Drake May. He's going to be the number two pick in the draft next year. This kid is really freaking good. And this team, I just uh, even uh, even though I'm kind of contradicting myself, like the uh, from the last pick, like not going against the SEC, but like I just think this North Carolina team is 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 good, and I think that uh, this one was tough for me to pick, but I, I picked North Carolina. I, t- I picked them to cover the, the two and a half. So Spencer Rattler, I this this may or may not be. You know, a popular thing to say, but I watched QB1. I I know Mm -hmm. a bit about Spencer Rattler's time in college football, and I just don't like the guy. I I just don't like Spencer Rattler. I think that he's the kind of guy that you talk about. um, I think he's the kind of guy you talk about who, who came in with so much hype that he helped create by promoting himself relentlessly and just never lived up to it. It, it, Let's put it this way. If he takes the step forward that they're claiming he has been taking, if he builds off last year and builds off his time in the off season, where we all we've heard about out of SC, all we've heard about is he's, 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 he's more of a competitor. He's less focused on his image. He's, he's more of a team player. He he's well liked. He's a leader in the locker room His games developing. They will be very good. I don't know how good SC will be in a, in a tough SEC East and one yeah. that's kind of dominated right now by Tennessee and Georgia, but they will be in that con- contest. But I, I, I look at UNC and you mentioned their quarterback is a, is, is a guy who is going to, he is, is legit. We know who he is. We know, we know what we're getting. And I, I just talked about this with LSU when you're dealing with these games that are tough to really distinguish when you got a line like this where you don't really have Vegas isn't helping you any with any by telling you like hey maybe you should you know throw a little wink wink over there if you feel like they they can cover you're not getting that here I go to safety I always it is it is my thing with these early games when you especially week one right because week one's Mm -hmm. a crapshoot the biggest development of any season happens week one to week two so I I took North Carolina and uh, another reason it's just like the LSU game I know Mac Brown very well I think that a coach of his quality is best suited to get his team ready for this game and Mm -hmm. I think what he's been doing at UNC is impressive he's helping that program have a renaissance of sorts um, trying to get them to be more relevant in the ACC and he's he seems to be having a lot of fun with it with a lot less pressure coming from boosters like he had at Texas Gimme, we're not diff- disagreeing so far. Let's let's take North Carolina in this one, and um, I think that when we look back at these two picks, even if we get these wrong, I don't think you feel bad about making them. I just it was these are cl- as close to call of games as any. Um, which brings us to an interesting point. Our next game, I do not think, is going to be very close to call. We got West Virginia against Penn State. You know. I'm very familiar with West Virginia. Uh, this is this is a program I know very well out of Big 12 country. The spread, if you don't know what, what's happening at West Virginia, the spread's going to scare you off right away. Right away. It's 20 and a half. So what's happening there? Let's, I'm gonna, I, I said this earlier. Neil Brown is in his last year at West Virginia. This is a bad football team. There's nothing to like about this football team. I don't know of anything they do particularly well. And on the flip side, I think Penn State's going to be pretty damn good. So let's talk, Chris. Did you at twenty and a half week one two power five opponents? 
did you feel comfortable pulling the trigger on Penn State? This was my easy power five pick I made. Yeah, minus 20. But I, I will say, minus 20 half, I will say um, Big Ten fans, look for Penn State to cover this line. Because if they don't, I would have real questions as to if Penn State can make a run to win the Big Ten. That's it. But yeah, this, is, I think, this is easy pick for me, like for everything I, I, that you said about West Virginia. <laughs> this is the rest of these. I think I, I put real thought into. I did not. I, I'm not. I, I refuse to believe West Virginia covers. The yeah. State. And like you said, if they did, I think that says a lot more about Penn State than it does what West Virginia is doing. Yeah. I think it, it exposes Penn State. And I don't think Penn State's going to get exposed here. I, I, I truly don't. Um, now we're on to what I think is probably the second biggest game of the year and we're one that you're maybe a bit more comfortable with we've got florida versus utah it's a huge game uh, florida of course we just had that fluff piece documentary made i think that's kind of funny timing that they're also opening with such a big uh, uh contest um let's talk about it you know utah probably better than i do being a pac-12 guy west coast guy how you feeling about this one um you know the, the, the utes looking to prove that they're still the toast of the Pac-12. Um, the line for this game is six and a half in their favor. The money line, they're up, they're the uh, minus 265, so there's not a lot of value there if you're looking to bet on just a favorite. H- how are you feeling? I uh, So every year, Utah is the sneaky team in the Pac-12, and no one knows about them until you find out the last week of the season. What the hell? Utah's in the Pac-12 championship game? How the hell did that happen? They go under the radar with everything. It feels like half. It feels like majority of their games aren't on national TV. They're on the Pac-12 network, so it's like they really don't get a lot of airtime, but they are a really good program. Kyle Whittingham runs a great program, and I would say if it weren't for the Cameron rising injury last year and reading about how he hasn't been taking a lot of reps during camp and practice and he's taking his time uh, getting ready, I would have taken Utah to cover six and a half, like no problem. But because of everything I just said about him and we don't really know what the situation is because Kyle Whittingham hates the media and he doesn't tell anybody about what's going on. And he like, I think, uh, Todd McShay was talking about it with Rosillo, Ryan Rosillo recently on his podcast. And he was saying that most of the time when there's an injury on their roster, they don't find the media doesn't find out till about an hour before the game when they see like the roster, like updates and stuff like that. That's just how Kyle Whittingham runs his program. You never really know what's going on. So like, there's just so many question marks with, with, with uh, Cam Rising that I just, I don't feel comfortable betting on them in this particular game. I think that if he plays and he plays well, We'll get more clarity on Utah for the rest of the season, but for this game, I'm sorry, audience, I just can't uh, give you like confidence in them. So I'm taking Florida to cover the six and a half. Um, that's it, it's only because of my reservations with Utah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought a lot about the Cam Rising situation because you know there are coaches who they don't that. Kyle Winham famous for playing games, not playing games in the media, but it's coachmanship. You know, we got gamesmanship. This is coachmanship. It's just coach speak nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's something that these guys do to get some modicum of advantage. Does it really impact the games? No. Uh, the college, for, if you're wondering how advanced college football scouting is at this point in history for Power 5 programs, it doesn't matter who you trot out there as a starter. They have practice for every conceivable rep. It just isn't a thing anymore that you catch somebody napping. Um, but it does screw 
a Vegas. This absolutely screws a Vegas. It's why I historically do not talk about Utah when I'm looking at bets. I don't like it, especially this early in the year. I think I took them last year in the opener and got burned on it. Uh, I I don't like Utah in this game um, for any number of reasons, but at the same time, I I just I'm looking at the SEC East and I'm looking who's the team that's getting some talk that I just don't think is there. Who's the team that's getting talk that I just don't think is there? I still don't see Florida being relevant in that conference. And do I think a team I think is maybe the fourth best team in the SEC East? Are they going to really knock off a team that I think Cam Rising healthy or not is a top four Pac-12 team? Um, maybe even arguably if Cam Rising's healthy maybe deservedly number two or number three on that list, depending on, again, Cam Rising's health and how, what do you feel about uh, uh, Oregon and Washington? <sighs> Look, we've been we've basically been a lobstick the entire time, so I'm going to step out into the woodwork here. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to say that Cam Rising is healthy and that Florida is going to struggle in this game. And I, 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 one of these two teams is not as good as we have been told that they are. This is a game where we've talked about prove it with Penn State and a few other teams. This game, we're going to find out which one of these teams is not for real in their conference. I think it's Florida. I think Florida's about to get exposed. I think Utah covers. Do I feel great about it? Of course not. Will I immediately look like a moron when five minutes before kickoff work comes down that not only is Cam Rising not healthy, he's not going to take a snap. It's not even like, oh, he, he didn't practice this week. I mean, he's he's been out for you know, a month and a half. We just don't know about it. That's mm-hmm. what's going to break week one. And somebody out there is going to lock in Utah or excuse me, lock in Florida at a, at a, a six and a half and feel really good about themselves. But I, I got to go the other way on this one brings us to our last one. This is a big game, but it's also mostly a big storyline game. I, I don't neither. It's a storyline game. It's a storyline. Yeah. Let's neither, be honest. What neither of these teams is going to be super, super relevant unless you're, you know, of a much different persuasion than myself. But TCU Colorado, it's Coach Prime versus the runner-up national title uh, contender in TCU. Colorado probably won the offseason for craziest storyline, dismissing something like 23, 25 guys off their active roster into the transfer portal. Um, it was the single largest mass exodus that we've seen. And I say mass exodus, that implies they left willingly. They did not. They were shoved out of that program. Mm-hmm. He's trying to prove he's a real big-time coach. I want to be clear here. What he did at, at the, the HBCU ranks is impressive. The recruiting, the hype, the energy, the money he brought. But he hasn't actually had to coach yet. Let's, let's just be honest. He was better than everybody else because he could buy better talent with his name and his energy. Now he doesn't. He he has decidedly worse talent than anybody else in the Pac-12, really. And he's up against TCU in week one, who's coming off the national title run. TCU, for their point, um, lost ke- their offensive coordinator, brings in Kendall Bryles. I think that's a downgrade in both morality and actual coaching ability. Lost a tremendous amount of talent, Max Duggan. Though, interestingly enough, Max Duggan would not have Got started. Cut. Yeah, he would not have started and at all at TCU that previous season if Chandler Morris had not been hurt, who is now their, their starting quarterback yeah. um, by all accounts. So, interesting game. What's the line here? Because it decides a lot with this one. It's a big one. TCU is a 20-and-a-half favorite. Money line isn't worth anybody's interest. I don't know why you bet on this unless you're just a hundred percent sold in Colorado who gets plus seven hundred or just throwing five bucks for fun. Chris, this game is basically just about does Coach Prime's grand experiment work? For all the stuff TCU's bringing about, are they gonna sustain this? It's about can Deion Sanders actually 
coach. Can he can can prime actually step on the field X's and O's go against a good college football mind with less talent and and be competitive. That's what this spreads about. Vegas is saying hell no. We're, we're not buying it yet. Where are you on this one? 20 and a half. I think it's going to prove that coach prime can recruit and they're going to cover the spread. Do I think they're going to win this game? No, but the spread is just so outrageous. And I think that the talent that some, the, some of the talent that Dion brought in can, can will its way to covering the spread. Um, I do have a little bit of personal bias against TCU because uh, Sonny Dykes is a former Cal uh, coach and he kind of left that program in shambles, but um but I, I just I don't know. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid. Maybe maybe you could talk me out of it. But maybe I'm drinking the Prime Kool Aid a little bit. I don't like twenty and a half for TCU. I'll, I'll put it out there. I am of of TCU. By the way, is ranked coming into this game. I yeah. believe it's the AP poll. Seventeen. Yeah. Uh, it's it's seventeen. That is only a nod to what they did last year. It also proves that AP pollsters don't actually know enough about football to vote at this <laughs> point of the year. We shouldn't do these preseason polls. These guys just run with what they know, and that was TCU was number two in the national title. Um, and I can say a lot about how they got there and, and the fact that I think a much worse football team is now trotting out there from a team last year that if they didn't catch every break and hundred percent credit, they had the age, the maturity and the coaching to take advantage of the breaks they got. But I think it was four starting quarterbacks were hurt playing them. Mm-hmm. They, the last second field goal against Baylor. I mean, that's an eight and four football team that made it to the national title game. They lost a lot of talent and I don't think backfilled that well they did well but i don't think you can replace all that you can't replace losing the coach and i really don't like kendall bryles i don't believe the colorado experiment's going to work i think what dion did is borderline uh, not borderline it is just unethical he treated them like an nfl roster and the ncaa is not letting them be paid like one um 20 and a half i'm gonna take colorado in this just because i do not think tcu is good enough to cover 20 and a half i just don't see it happening i don't think it's such a big spread it's just like oh man i do like can colorado cover that like they might they might be able to cover that and that's the thing like 17 and i think this game's about as probably a 17 14 point tc win i think they're better than colorado colorado i don't think has the depth again when you dismiss damn near half your football team you don't have the depth but do I think TCU is 20 points better in week one with all the change they've undergone than do I than I think Colorado, which at least we expect is going to come out with a lot of energy, a lot of motivation. It is this going to prove the Deion Sanders experiment correct? It, there's a lot of that going on. Where it's oh, this is where we find out. This is not. But mm. can it prove that he he is if they put it this way, this will be an early contender for one of the bigger upsets of the year if they come out and just beat TCU. You know, right off the back, this the size of the spread, <laughs> but I I think they're going to lose this game. I just think TCU is not good enough and not good enough offensively. Like I said, I I cannot hate on Kendall Bryles enough as a person and as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I did not like what he did at Arkansas. I thought they were mediocre offensively, and he's coming in to replace a very good offense. Mm-hmm. I I'm not seeing it. So I I don't like what happened at Colorado. And by the way, speaking to the Cal thing, one of the reasons I think ultimately Sunday Dykes will fail at TCU is because he failed at Cal. That's yeah. ultimately where I think this goes, but this is a prove it season for Sunday Dykes too. I will make that clear. He has got to demonstrate with my players and my coaches. Uh, you know, he lost a lot of his staff had to bring in new guys. 
lost a lot of players that are bringing new guys. He can't lean on Gary Patterson's real, what he built now. Can he show I am not what I was at Cal and with two coaches, a lot to prove when a 20 point spread, I'm going to go with the one who I think is just more can bring more energy early. That decides so many of these spreads <laughs> in these early games who comes out of the doors, all pistons firing. I think. Yeah. Colorado. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, Sonny Dykes is it. He's, I feel like he rode, uh, he recruited a really good quarterback and he rode him for his time there. And then when he, when, Jared Goff left. He left. Like so, but we don't have to get into that. We're, we're, this is a betting podcast. Sorry, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't remember who I was talking to about this. Somebody on our staff. We were having a conversation, uh-huh. and this the exact thing we discussed was um, after what happened at Cal. Why does anyone think? this is going to get sustained, but not, not to, not to crap on TCU too much because there are plenty of people who think TCU will be good. I yeah. am not one of them, but there are plenty of people, including AP bolsters who think they will be good. So that's our last game of the week. And just to clarify, both of us are taking Colorado in this one. It's 20 and a half. I, I think of all the bets here, this is week one. You don't feel confident about really any of them outside that West Virginia game. Um, but if, if I was a, a betting man, I would say that 20 and a half points in a week one showing against two teams that are not going to compete in their conference feels pretty tasty to me. Yeah, I agree. Now we're going to come to the end of our show here. Like I said, this is the longest episode we're going to have an hour and 15 minutes. Thereabout, We had to get futures had to talk week zero. Ordinarily the intro will be a lot shorter. We'll talk bad beats, things of that nature, funny storylines, games that really not bad beats, but ones that really went the other way from what we expected. And ordinarily also, I mean, we're pretty much on lockstep every pick this week, except for we are in lockstep every pick this week except for Florida v. Utah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to come into this with a very tight against the spread contest one way or the other. We're either going to lose every game or we're going to be right on the line together. Um, So next week, you can expect us to recap what happened in the big games, talk about how we did against the spread, talk about, like I said, some of the bad beats, and then we'll get right back into it. Show format will be the same. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. Hopefully you guys will continue to listen. And feel free to find the other great podcasts on the Fans First Sports Network. I mentioned the contest at the top of the show, the reason why that's so NFL-orientated. There are a bunch of great NFL affiliates outside of just our college ranks. Um, You can also go to any of the MLB podcasts that are out there. Uh, I believe there's even a few soccer podcasts. it's, It's a growing rapidly network. So go find your team and your sport. And if honestly, if you're interested in getting involved in the podcasting world and you'd like to start one, you see a team that doesn't have one yet, feel free to reach out to any of the uh, the Fan First Sports Network uh, uh, Twitter pages and we'll get you in contact with somebody who can help you out. We'd love for you to join. We'll build in here and we'll see you guys next week.